Hello again, folks. It's been a couple of weeks since my last episode, so I uh, do apologise for the uh, delay in getting new episodes out to you. But it, it's been uh, very busy for me the last couple of weeks. So if it's the first time you're listening, I do hope you enjoy what you hear. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a very uh, different episode to what I usually do. It's the 13th ever episode of In Melbourne last week, and uh, I'm your host, Ivan Pugioni. And uh, you're probably thinking, hang on, Ivan doesn't have a guest this week. What's going on? You've been looking at the title of this podcast and the show notes. I'm actually, uh, I have a story I, I'd like to share to you in the, in the world. Um, last year, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it's something which I kept um, to family and friends and, you know, work colleagues and, and that sort of thing. It was something which I didn't, I kind of wanted to face this, you know, without, you know, stressing out others. And I, I just needed the, the positive mindset and I needed the, uh, I needed to direct, direct all my energy to uh, to fighting what I did. So um, today I'm just going to talk about, you know, how it came to being that I was diagnosed and what I went through and uh, and basically how, I, how I've been doing since recovery. Um, I was diagnosed about a year ago. So, and I've been cleared uh, for cancer for a year. I had my one year uh, checkup the other week, so uh, and everything's all clear. So, I wanted to do this podcast because I, I kind of, it's been on my mind, you know, since my operation and my recovery. It's it's been in the back of my mind, you know, about you know what if it comes back or you know what if I get more complications and and that sort of thing. You know, when it's when it's been less than a year since you were diagnosed and treated, it's it kind of weighs heavily on you, you know. So I, I've been wanting, I've been holding back for a long time, but I thought, you know what? I think it's time for me to share my story to you. So, for the thirteenth uh, ever episode, which <laughs> it's an unlucky number, but I feel lucky in many ways. I'll be uh, talking to you about my journey, you know, what happened last year, and uh, and how I've been going, and everything in between. So, if you haven't listened to previous episodes where I've spoken to other people, please be sure to subscribe. I am on Apple Podcasts. I'm also on Stitcher, as well as Podbean. If you don't have an Apple device, I'm hoping with this podcast to seek closure with what's happened, because based on the low level of of my, you know, tumor it's pretty unlikely that it's going to come back. I, I still need to go for uh, scans for about seven more years or so, but everything's looking pretty good. And I'm I'm really satisfied that the tumors, I think it'll be gone for good. And um, I, I kind of want to use this platform as well to kind of, I guess, ad- address the fact that, you know, I want to put the message out there saying that if you've got any kind of ailments or any unusual pains, anything physical or, you know, mental or whatever, I, I do encourage you to seek treatment right away or seek you know an appointment with your gp or or whoever because you know i i put this off for many months what i had which i will explain to you very shortly and it turned out to be a situation which i never expected and neither did my family so anyway so that's uh, that's the way i see it and uh, before we do get into it i just like to dedicate this episode to my family and friends particularly my partner uh, as well as my very close aunts and uncles uh, and my father who have supported me during this time uh, it was a long hospital stay i was in hospital for six weeks recovering and i their their support uh and coming to see me you know quite regularly really had a profound impact on me and made my hospital stay just that much better i also like to thank my surgeon and uh, his terrific medical team for uh doing the operation for me and keeping tabs on me to make sure i was doing all right and also to the uh, medical staff as well as the nursing staff at St. Vincent's Hospital in Fitzroy. They're uh, angels on earth, basically. What they did for me and what they did for other patients and the effort that they put in, the commitment they have to their lines of work, it's just 
it's absolutely commendable. So I, I, I give them a lot of uh, a lot of credit, and I like to dedicate this episode to them and to all medical staff in general who work tirelessly to help the needs of patients in Australia and all around the world. So without further ado, here is my story of what happened last year. Since about September to maybe October of 2016, I, I, I had these pains in my upper left leg and, and also in my knee, but it wasn't your typical um, muscle soreness, I guess. It was more of, it was, I describe it as like a bolt of lightning hitting your leg. So whenever I twisted my leg outward, I would just feel like this massive twinge well not even a twinge more than a twinge it's just this massive shot of pain you know it's like a bolt of lightning it's like zeus himself threw a lightning bolt on my leg and and i felt it um sometimes the pain would be there for about 10 seconds and then would disappear but other times i'd feel it for at least 20 or 30 minutes it was it really got to me and it was pain that i'd never really experienced in my life it was uh, it's just something else. I mean, I, I thought nothing of it for a couple of months. I thought, oh, look, it's probably going to go away. You know, I tried different treatments like ice packs, you know, heat rubs, other heat packs, that sort of thing to stop it and all these other kinds of things. But um, it just wouldn't let up, you know, just the, the pain, like it wasn't constant, but whenever my leg was in a certain position, it would just fire up. And uh, one day I was playing soccer with um, with some friends in uh, November of 2016, and I, I noticed that was the point where I realized how bad the pain actually was. Um, it was, I was playing soccer and I was goalkeeper for the first game and I, I was trying to jump, you know, to save the ball and stuff, but just, it's like my leg was stiff. It's like it just wouldn't propel me into the air or propel me to the side or, or whatever. And for our first game, I, we actually lost 9-0 and, and I was the goalkeeper for three quarters of the game. I let through about seven or eight of them myself. So uh, I apologized to my teammates and I explained what happened and they were concerned, but they said, you'll probably be all right. Um, after that happened, I could barely walk for about two to three days, like getting up to get to work or getting up to go to the bathroom or the kitchen or whatever. It was, it was just painful like I just playing soccer just kind of exacerbated it and I thought this this is insane I, I you know I've got to go see a doctor about this I you know it's something which I've never felt and it's just kind of you have that intuition where you think you know something's there but you just it's just very foreign to you you know and um, I thought I better go see the GP so I I went to my local GP and I told him about what I was experiencing and primarily the pain was in my knee and my upper leg uh, he referred me to get an x-ray on my knee done lo and behold of course nothing came of it <laughs> everything was clear uh, had my x-ray done in different angles and I was there for a bit and uh, nothing suspicious was found which really surprised me because I thought hang on this something's here it's it's it, you know it's really weird anyway I thought you know what maybe it's just my, my body will heal itself you know it'll eventually you know, it'll eventually go away. A few months went by and, and the pain just wouldn't subside. And it's not like it was getting worse, but it was just persistent, you know? It was just, I, no, no matter what I did when I twisted my leg, I'd just feel the pain. And like I said before, whether it was for like five or 10 seconds, like a jolt of pain, even for a couple of seconds to a couple of minutes or even half an hour, I just, yeah, it just wouldn't subside. And it really freaked me out. I went back to the GP in late April of last year in 2017, and um, I, I told him the story. I said, "Look, my my leg's still, my knee's still, you know, screwed. I mean, what's going on? This this, this has been going on for nearly eight nine months. This is ridiculous." 
surely something must be up, you know? So anyway, he referred me to a an orthopedic specialist, orthopedic surgeon, uh, to go get scans done, uh, or just to go, you know, rather just to go check it out and, and see what he thinks. So I got referred, and about a week later, I went for my appointment. And he was my he wasn't my actual surgeon who did the uh, the operation. He was another uh, orthopedic a surgeon. My surgeon was what's called an orthopedic oncologist. So they deal with uh, tumors in the joints of bodies. You, you know, your hips, your shoulders, your knees, etc. Who's more specialized in what he did? But he'll uh, he'll be coming up a bit shortly. So anyway, I went to the specialist, and he got me on the bed, and I twisted my leg. Oh, he twisted my leg for me, rather. He twisted it inward. He said, "Do you feel any pain?" I said, "No, no, inward's fine." He pushed it up, and he says, "Do you feel anything?" And I said, "Oh, look, a bit of a twinge, but nothing, not like what I've been experiencing." He pulled it out, like as in outwards towards him, my leg, and he said, "Oh, what about this?" And I said, "Oh." I'm not too sure. I mean, it's not too bad. Like, it's it's not, not bad at all. He twisted it outward, away from my body. And that's when I really winced and I was in pain. And I was nearly crying because he pulled it really hard or he twisted it really hard. And I said, oh, yeah. And he, and he goes, did you feel that? And I said, oh, I sure did. That was bad. He had twisted it outward and I winced in pain. And he looked at me in the eyes. I'll never forget this. He looked me in the eyes and he said to me, Ivan, it's not your knee that's the issue. It's your hip. And I thought, my hip? I was shocked. I mean, I said to him, I said, sure, I've never felt any pain in my hip. I haven't felt any twinges in my, my, my hip. You know, and this is my left hip, by the way. Never felt anything. I thought, this, no, it can't be my hip. What are you talking about? And he said, it's possibly referred pain. It's probably most likely coming from your hip, shooting down your leg into your knee. And I said, doesn't pain shoot upwards? And he goes, no, pain shoots downwards. That's typically how it works in the body. And I said, oh, right, okay, fair enough. So straight away, he referred me to get an x-ray done. And luckily, like all these, um, they had a, a pathologist and a radiologist all within the same building, so I didn't have to travel anywhere. So I, I just went down a couple of flights of stairs and I was there. So I had an x-ray done on my pelvis. About an hour later, I got the results back and I was up back in his waiting room. I got called in by his receptionist. He shows me the x-ray on his, uh, I guess his board, you know, that, that board with the light that they use to, to show off x-rays. And I was really stunned at what I saw. I saw my basically my hips, so my, my, the front of my, um, my hips and my left and right pelvis. My right pelvis looked normal. My left pelvis, it looked like a, like a, a, la, a medium-sized lesion. I, I'm guessing probably the size of... Oh man, probably probably like two cricket balls. I can't really think at this stage of a comparison, but it was probably like the size of like a, a, a like a cricket ball, I suppose, or maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, maybe I guess even a softball in a way, but more longer than wide. And I noticed it was in between in within my pelvic joint of the ball and socket, and my the left pelvis was actually pushing. Like the, 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 the ball, or the socket rather was, or might have been the ball actually, was pushing upward and the socket was pushing downward. I remember the look on his face. He didn't like the look of it at all. He turned to me and he said, I don't like, he actually said, I don't like this. And I said, so what do you think it could be? And he said, it could be anything really. It could be an infection. And I said, okay. It could be maybe a cyst. I said, oh, all right, pretty big for a cyst. But anyway, okay. It could be a tumor. And that's when I went white. <laughs> I have a history of uh, cancer in my family. My mother passed away uh, from lung cancer when I was four years old, and my grandfather died from the same uh, affliction as well. So, you know, me having cancer, and especially my mother passed when she was 32, and I'm 30 right now. So the the concept of me having cancer around the same time my, mo my mother, you know, had it, it really freaked me out. And that was something which I really 
didn't want. So the fact that he even suggested it was a tumor was just a shock to me. And I was really anguished for uh, a few days. He said to me, um, what we should do is I, I, I want you to have an MRI done right now, as in it was about 4 or 4.30 in the afternoon. And he said, I want you to have MRI in this building right now. Uh, I really want these results. So then I went downstairs again, had an MRI on the same day. It was about five o'clock, but they were able to fit me in. Uh, they were all about to knock off. So I had my MRIs done, paid the fee, and uh, I, I left. I had an appointment with him probably a week later. And uh, in between that time, he referred me to do uh, a couple of bone scans at the radiology clinic. So I did a couple of bone scans just to check to make sure how my, my bones were structured, and if there was any kind of deformities or any kind of irregularities associated with that. Uh, I had blood tests. I had a CT scan. I had basically any test you can think of uh, up until that point. I went to see him again. Uh, about a week later, and he said, Ivan, I've got your results for the M... Oh, not results, but I've, I've looked at your scans for the MRI and everything. He goes, it looks like something that's out of my field. I need to refer you to an orthopedic oncologist. And as soon as I heard oncologist, I thought, oh, no. No, it can't be. It can't be cancer. You know, uh, surely, you know, you think to yourself, this can't happen to me. Surely. You know, I'm, I'm young. I've got a lot of life ahead of me. I've got, you know, I've well, I had one podcast going and now I you know now I've got two including this one so you know I've got a lot ahead of me so you know this can't happen surely and luckily as well the orthopedic oncologist who ended up being my surgeon was in the same building again <laughs> this time he was down the hall in the same floor as my other one so he wrote me a note and he said go give this to you your uh, specialist your new one grabbed my results went to him he looked at he said he already looked at my scans and he liaised with my other specialist or my former specialist and he said I'd like to do a biopsy on your uh, on your hip because I don't like the look of it. I don't want to say anything because I don't have definitive results, but I don't like what I'm seeing, and I would like to to you have a biopsy in the next few days. So about three or four days later, I had a biopsy, in this, uh, which confirmed... Uh, well, I had the biopsy done a few days later, got called in about three, four days later, and he confirmed... Uh, this time I had family with me, so, you know, it wasn't as, as stressful. <laughs> I, had, I had aunts and uncles and... And, you know, supporting me, I wasn't going alone like I, I did before, which was, I think, a bit of a mistake uh, in my part. But in hindsight, you know, what, what can you do? He sat me down and he said um, the results were that it is uh, what's called chondrosarcoma. So it's a form of cartilage cancer, which um, luckily was what's called a grade two or a level two um, tumor. So basically what it was, it was very slowly spreading are slowly growing but luckily based on uh, my previous uh, scans it looked like it didn't uh, metastasize or or recur or, or, or go anywhere else in my body he ordered a pet scan just to make sure that this was the case so i went for a pet scan a couple of days later and then i went to see him a week later and that week was probably the scariest of my life i i didn't know whether this tumor had spread or you know if i if anything else any other irregularities came up you know that that would be that would be a disaster, and I'd be really that would have really changed my my world. But he sat me down again, and I was with my family once again. And he said to me, "Very good news. The tumor hasn't spread, and uh, it's isolated in your hip." He goes, "The great news is we can help, or I can help you, and I can cure you of this cancer." And I said, "Okay. So what are we? What are the options?" He said, "With chondrosarcoma, with the way that it is, uh, unfortunately, chemotherapy or radiation don't work. 
um, because it's resistant and in addition as well because your tumor because it's within the ball and socket of your pelvic joint on the left pelvis or in the left pelvis um, we can't like the radiation and chemo wouldn't be able to get to it anyway even if we tried so there's no point putting you on a course of that if it's if we know it's not going to work he said the only option will be surgery and I said okay so what's what does that entail and he said what we're going to have to do is based on the where the tumor is positioned we're going to have to take the tumor out because that our objective is to make sure that there's no cancer cells left behind so it doesn't start growing again he said what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to amputate your left pelvis and then what we're going to do is with stainless steel cables we're going to connect the top of your leg which which has like a void there'll be no, no bone there and we're going to take out the ball and socket and the tumor and everything else and we're going to attach with stainless steel cables the top of your leg to the base of your chest or the bottom of your chest to your spine basically so it'll be like a like a reconstruction and um i said how about would i get a hip replacement and he said you're too young um, your hips got to get have to get changed every eight to ten years, and especially because you're young, you know you probably use it more often walking and doing other activities. You'd have to come in and and basically it's it's too much trauma on the body to, to come in once every eight or ten years to, to get in your hip. It's just too much, you know. You 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 you'd have a lot of trouble, um, you know, mentally and emotionally, and, and it's just not good for your body. And I asked him a very a question which which really had me. It was I remember it was just on the spot. I didn't even come in planned with questions. I said to him, look will I be able to walk again? You know, because, you know, you think getting your hip taken out, you think, oh, maybe I'll never walk again or maybe, you know, I'll have to be in a wheelchair or I've got to use walking aids or, you know, <laughs> that's going to change my life, you know. I said to him, like, will I be able to walk again? He said, yes. He said the process will take about six months from surgery to full recovery. In the meantime, you would have to stay in a wheelchair uh, and you would use first a walking frame and then you'd move on to crutches. Uh, you would be wearing a hip brace. Well, first of all, you'd be wearing a, a plaster around your hips for about three months and then you'd be wearing a temporary hip brace to make sure it's all held together once, it's, uh, once the hip forms. So basically what he said was, uh, after the surgery, your body would actually knit itself uh, scar tissue where the hip once formed. And while it wouldn't be a flexible pelvic joint like it used to be, you would still be able to do things like walking, um, you know, riding an exercise bike, doing, you know, going swimming, doing basic activities like that. But he said you couldn't do things like, say, run marathons or play footy or, or anything like that. And I said to him, don't worry, doctor, I don't do that kind of stuff anyway. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't change my life too much. And he said, yeah, um, but anyway, he, he booked me in for surgery two weeks later uh, through the public hospital at St. Vincent's because, uh, yeah, he said with cancer, it, it's considered a priority. So we'll get you in. I'll still have my team uh, operate on you and uh, you'll have the best care uh, in the hospital. So then for that next two weeks, I, you know, I was thinking the worst, you know, because, you know, with major operations, I was told from my surgeon that this operation is one of the biggest uh, in orthopedics. Uh, not every orthopedic surgeon can do it. Uh, but only specialized on, uh, oncologists like him who specialize in orthopedics can do it. Uh, the operation, uh, which I just described, is called an internal hemipelvectomy. And basically, to give you an idea of what could have happened, if the tumor had spread down my leg, basically, I would have had to have had a full amputation of my leg. And one of the questions that one of my uncles asked him when we were there uh, talking about surgical uh, surgery options. So I had one appointment where he confirmed my diagnosis, and then he said the second one, or the second uh, one was basically um, what the procedure would be, what the best option would be. Um, so basically what would have happened, my, my uncle said, so what would have happened if, if we just left it and you didn't have the operation? 
My surgeon turned to him and he looked him in the eyes and he said, he'll die. Basically what will happen is if he doesn't do anything about it or he decides not to go through with the surgery, maybe in a year, maybe two, because this tumor has been growing in him for years, if not decades, probably since he was a small child or a teenager. He said, basically what would happen is the tumor would grow so large, it would eventually break my pelvis. I'd, I'd feel a snap or a crack in my pelvis. I wouldn't know what that is. Uh, the tumor would then eventually spread into my lymph nodes and then into my blood. And he said, with this kind of sarcoma, chondro, once that happens, the treatment options are very limited. So surgery is the best option. So anyway, I went in for surgery two weeks later, I think June, I think it was after Queen's birthday in uh, in Victoria. So I think it might have been June 13, June 12. It was on a Tuesday. I was admitted the night before to get prepped for the operation. So on the Tuesday, I had my operation and it was eight hours I was informed that my blood pressure dropped twice to dangerous levels during the surgery, but I was able to come back from it. You know, a major operation like this, it it really takes a toll on you. But I had positive spirits through the whole thing. I had the support of my family and also my surgeon was optimistic from the outset. Uh, He said to me that with a successful operation, you'll be cured of of this tumour and it's unlikely, you know, that it will come back based on the low grade of it. It hasn't spread anywhere and it doesn't look like it's it's metastasized based on initial scans, which I was really relieved. And uh, I, I basically had a positive attitude through the whole thing. My first week of physiotherapy, so it took me a couple of days before I started physio. I was in bed for literally 24 hours a day for the first day or two. And then I started physio. Um, my physio was basically with uh, in the hospital in my room. I had a private room for the first three weeks uh, in the orthopedic ward at St. Vincent's. So my physio was basically learning how to stand <laughs> so standing for first of all for about 10 minutes followed by 20 the next day and then 25 and then 30 and you know etc etc and then um basically from there i used a, a platform frame i walked a few steps and then back to my bed and uh, basically by the next after a week and a half maybe two of surgery i learned how to basically walk out of the door of the hospital and uh, i used a wheelchair in the meantime as well uh, for longer distances so uh, basically i could only walk probably 30 20 30 feet you know by about a week and a half two weeks with an aid and also with physios hanging around me so uh, yeah it was it was very tough and I had the the plaster put on my hips uh, probably about a week into um, being uh, being operated on into my stay in at St Vincent's so it was really tough for me you know I, I had lots of thoughts going in my head thinking you know what if even though my surgeon said that I'd walk what if I never could you know I mean the, the the concept scared me. I thought, surely, you know, I've got half my pelvis taken out. I know it's been reconstructed, but surely, you know, what if something goes wrong? Like, what if my leg won't operate or maybe, you know, I'll, I'll try and then I just can't do it and then I'm in a wheelchair? You know, all these thoughts go in your head because any any kind of complications after surgery, that could that can really affect your life and your life has to change, you know. You, you're not as independent as you as you used to be. You know, you lose that independence. I mean, I, I'd still be doing podcasting and also community radio, which I've, I've recently um, come back into or which I'm going to come back into soon. But I, it's just, you know, all these thoughts go in your head and it was just those, those three weeks were really tough for me, you know. Um, but like I said, I had the support of my partner, my family, you know, close friends came to visit me as well. And, and they messaged me, you know, called me, wishing me well and people who couldn't make it. So, you know, I had that support network as well. And I knew that I was loved and, you know, I knew that I knew that everything would be all right. You know, the doctors would come see me, even my surgeon every day. And he'd say, my, I'm improving miraculously by the day. And, you know, I, I had all these tubes in my body and then slowly, you know, and have 
the tubes taken away you know every couple of days a new one would disappear and I'd, I'd look less like a cyborg and more like a more like a human being every day which was great so after about three weeks I was discharged I was transferred rather from the orthopedic ward into the rehab ward and it was really funny because in, in the private room I had my own bathroom but ironically I couldn't get up to use the bathroom until the last day <laughs> when I needed assistance to get there so that was uh, that was a luxury which I, I really missed <laughs> using a toilet for three weeks um, but anyway so in, in the rehab ward I, I I was in there for three weeks and I, I was in with three other patients uh, male patients and uh, um, by that stage I was getting more physiotherapy I was learning to climb stairs uh, with the the aid of crutches I was learning to walk around with a walking frame uh, you know a bit more than you know 10 or 20 feet <laughs> than what I'm used to and then I graduate and I'd, I'd go on crutches um, I'd still have to cast uh, the hip plaster around me and uh, yeah I was I kept up the physio and it was in the rehab ward it was the people that I met it was just surreal like what people were going through and and how things you know how complications you know worse actually the complications that were worse than what i had it was incredible what who you spoke to and what they were going through like i met people who suffered near fatal strokes and had to learn how to you know walk again how to you know use a cup with their hand you know i met people like that i met someone who attempted suicide by ingesting a lot of uh, pills and he had a heart attack and nearly killed him and it it basically impaired his speech um and and also some of his motor functions so he had to relearn how to speak and he had speech therapy every day and he had to learn how to basically you know <laughs> be mobile again and, and independent which was really sad he was only in his 40s the, the fella so i felt sorry for him and uh, i met people also who had late stage cancer uh, i met people and who were you know going to head to the to the ward eventually to palliative care i met a person who had a similar sarcoma to me, osteosarcoma, uh, but that was bone cancer. Uh, but he, he he had to go through chemotherapy as well, and he had a, a wife and a young child, and I, I befriended him, and I, I befriended his father, who, who would come to visit regularly. Um, and we just shared our stories, you know. It was to have someone who, who in my room with a similar condition to me, but obviously at a much worse level, I it was really, it was really grounding to me because I realised, considering what I went through, even though that was major and, and you know, you don't wish that on anyone. What I went through was, I felt very humbled because what I went through, it it wasn't as severe as what most people in the ward in rehab were going through. You know, I I met another person who was meant to go for routine surgery on their heart, and it was it was like something to do with their valve, and and they got an aneurysm in their aorta. And they ended up being paralyzed from the breast down, a lady, you know, and that changed her life. And, and I said to her, when I, when I went to do one of my rehab sessions, I said, oh, so what, how do you feel after this? And she goes, you know, I was depressed at the start. This happened six months ago and I've been in rehab since. I've been in the hospital, but she says, you know what, I take it day by day. I've got to accept what's happened and I've got to adapt. And I said, my God, you know, <laughs> here's me prima donna i'm just getting my left pelvis taken out nothing exciting you know and there's and there's people in the ward that the rehab ward that i met that that were going through a lot worse than me so it was it was heartbreaking to hear the stories but i was really um you know blessed and you know i was really i was really humbled by by you know the attitudes of the people and and other patients and i made i made friends out of them while i was there too which was which was really worthwhile i i haven't caught up with 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 some of the patients i don't know what they've been what's happened to them whether they're, they're still with us or not uh, but i wish i wish them all the best and um, i hope that your recovery is going well or has or has gone well you know it's it's it was tough being in the ward you know you experience a lot of 
lot of pain. You hear people scream and there's a lot of sorrow and you see family members distraught, you know, walking in, you know, seeing their beloved suffering, you know, and, and li- trying to live day to day as best as they can and, and try and get better. But I, I found for me that I was really lucky in a way, you know, I used my intuition. I saw, I, I was I was thinking something something was wrong after, you know, a failed attempt at, you know, getting diagnosis, checking the wrong part of my body. I thought, you know what, I got to go back. And then, yeah, it all happened. And, and it was very good. My, my surgeon, like I said, was upbeat through the whole thing. He said, you know, you're, su- you're successful surgery, you're good. Uh, I was discharged from hospital uh, in early July, and I went to stay with one of my aunts and uncles, uh, who was who come to see me almost every day, which was great. And I was at their house for another six weeks. I, I couldn't I couldn't leave their house. I was confined to a wheelchair and uh, walking frame and crutches because <laughs> uh, it was a bit hard for me to get around, uh, you know, around in the community with a plaster around my, my hips. So I, it was best if I just stayed and recovered some more. And uh, after that six weeks or after three months of, of basically, you know, from the surgery, I went back to the hospital. I had my plaster taken out. I was given a temporary hip, ba- a hip brace, which I could take off when I had a shower and, you know, when I went to bed and stuff. Because by then my hip was was getting on quite well. It was about three months, so it was a lot of repairing uh, internally required. But it was it was still going. You know, it was healing quite well based on scans and tests. And since then, I've gone for subsequent MRIs, CTs. I've gone a few times in the last year, and everything's come back clear. My I've had my my chest scanned for because um, chondrosarcoma can recur most commonly in the lungs. So uh, I've had my lungs checked, and they're all good. And just recently, I well. Before I do mention it, I, I did go back to work in October, uh, you know, with crutches and the hip brace and slowly but surely, you know, my workmates were able to see me, you know, <laughs> evolve back into my normal self. And uh, um, then, you know, it was basically after a couple of weeks of coming back to work in October, it was the doctor said, yep, you can take off the brace, you know, two, a month or two after that. Yep, you can get rid of one crutch. A month after that, yep, you can take get rid of that crutch, you can walk. So... And now I'm walking again. You know, I've got a limp and I've got to, due to the, um, there's a gap, uh, obviously the gap between my left leg and my, and, and the left part of my, my stomach, there's a gap there, uh, obviously filled with, uh, with scar tissue and muscle and, the, and held together by the cables. I, uh, I have a platform under my shoe, which I had to have uh, modified. Uh, so I'm walking around with that. I've got a slight limp <laughs> when I walk, but you know, if, if if the only the worst thing that's come out of this is a slight limp, then I think I've done really well. You know, so um, and I'm basically my life is is still the same. You know, it's I'm still doing the podcasts. You know, especially like my Seinfeld one, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Um, that's if you listen to that podcast as well as this one, you're probably wondering, you know, why we were on, Steve and I were on Skype for uh, for a number of weeks. I was recovering at my aunt's house, so we had to do the episodes on Skype because uh, he was a bit far away from where my aunt lived. I thought to myself, you know, in terms of the podcasting, the the show must go on. I didn't want to let you guys down, and I was loving what we were doing, and we 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 made sure to pre-record many weeks in advance, you know, just to make sure that there were episodes when I was in hospital, so there was no gap. And um, yeah, I'm, and once I was at home, I was able to podcast again, and and you know, after everything and the adversity that I've gone through, I I was inspired to do in Melbourne last week this podcast, and which is uh, thirteen episodes in and uh, going strong, so. It's uh, really good, and there's a lot of lot of good stuff coming. My message from all this is that, you know, life can change in an instant. You know, you know, you could be doing. You know, I, I felt like I I had the world at my feet. I was doing what I wanted. Um, you know, I was doing my pursuits, my hobbies. You know, I was really getting to those, and then this happened, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, it could have been 
my life had changed for um, you know the first three months but then from there i basically went back to normal um things can change you know it's crazy you know i you've got to keep your family and friends close and i guess just tell them that you love them and you know through thick and thin whatever happens just just have a positive attitude you know think of the think of the bright side and you know you'll push through you'll make it you know you'll with with that effort and support you'll 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 make it and something else that i feel that i've learned as well and something which i'd like to pass on to you the listener it's a lot of people say oh i've got a sore this i've had this for a while or i've got a you know infected this or whatever it might be and you know people let it go and you know if you leave it for too long it could be much worse than what it could have been at the start if you have anything that's unusual in your body and that you feel like I had that severe pain in my leg and knee, you know, I would implore you to go see your general practitioner, you know, even if you think it's nothing. If, if it's picked up early, like what happened to me, you know, it can get fixed. You can go back to normal life or maybe there might be something like with me, you know, there has to be some kind of compensation. But it's worse than being buried or, or cremated, you know. The consequences could be fatal if you if you leave it too late. So I I would encourage you to please please go see a, a doctor or a GP or, or specialist whoever if something is wrong. So anyway, that's my story. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a bit of a dark one, but I I came out of it you know you know more determined and, and positive than I was in my life. Um, you know I was very stressed and I thought about a lot like what if it came back in the last year and I was nervous for a bit but after having my one year scans and everything's clear I, I'm pretty confident that I'll be fine so I can I can put it behind me now and I can just carry on you know <laughs> with a carry on while I'm limping a little bit <laughs> when I'm walking so um yeah I, I can I feel uh, there's I feel a sense of closure and just like the monkey's now off my back I'll leave details about you know chondrosarcoma and what it is because it's a very it's a very rare condition you know I Typically, it affects people over the age of 50. So the fact I was 29 when I was diagnosed, you know, it's, I'm rare. But <laughs> I'm one in a million, literally, but, you know, not in the way that I intended. So um, I'll leave notes about that. And also, um, there's a, a, one or two charities that uh, that raise money for uh, sarcoma awareness and also research. This is a very underfunded um, condition. You know, there's different kinds of sarcoma. One was just, mine was just one of many. Uh, and St. Vincent's Hospital in Fitzroy, Melbourne is one of the only specialized hospitals that deal with sarcoma. So that's why I was admitted there. So I'll leave the details in the show notes if you'd like to read more about it and, and donate money uh, to the cause. And uh, let's hope that we can find a cure for this insidious disease that, you know, for me, had I have left it too late, things would have been different for me and my family and friends and everyone else around me. Anyway, that's my story, and, and thank you very much for listening. If you want to listen to um, previous episodes, and if you haven't subscribed, uh, feel free to go to Apple Podcasts and also Podbean and Stitcher to listen to previous episodes. I'll be back hopefully next week or maybe the week after with uh, another guest, <laughs> a special guest, and it'll be more of a more of a positive <laughs> interview or more of a positive episode, which is which will be fun. And uh, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, send me an email, bidwillbaskpodcast. Oh, sorry, that, that's my Seinfeld one. What am I talking about? No. Oh, you can email bidwillbaskpodcast at gmail.com if you want to, if you listen to my Seinfeld one, but I don't want to be a secretary character. But for this podcast, it's in Melbourne last week at gmail.com. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at Ivan C. Pugini, P-U-G-G-I-O-N-I. Uh, you can follow this um, show on Twitter at I am last week and also on Facebook and Instagram at in Melbourne last week. Thanks again. That was in Melbourne last week, a very special episode for episode 13. My name is Ivan Pugini and I'll look forward to hearing from you and uh, I'll have another episode for you again in the very near future. Thank you and goodbye. All the best. <laughs>